0: What we want to do over the next five weeks is take a little pause from the book of Matthew because we're going to continue through the book of Matthew for quite a while and just walk through it um, and and go all the way to the end there. But what we want to do for the next five weeks is I want to kind of take some time to talk about the church um, and who we are as a church, specific some of it to journey, but also to us just uh, as the people of God, regardless of where we go as far as a building or an organization. Now, um, I don't want to get too deep this morning into some of the things that, that I'll bring up because we're going to continue to talk about them the four weeks following. A little deeper, specific to us at Journey again, but the church as a whole. So this morning, I want to bring up kind of a big overview and then know that we're going to come back to this multiple times and you're going to hear some repeated things that we'll probably dig into a little deeper. My history with the church has been... Um, I want to say love, love, but probably some love, hate, sometimes. I don't know what your relationship with the church is, but I'd like you to consider it this morning. And then even in that, pray for God's healing, because there's a lot of people out there that need healing from their past church experience. If you're visiting today, this is a great time for you to hear a little bit more of who we are, what we're about, and where we're going, but also for you to maybe get healing from some past hurts. And we, we may all need that. So think for a little bit, what is your history with church? And when I say church, we're not going to fully define it today, but when I say church, what does that bring up? What is church to you? Now some could think about it and go, I, I have a whole other definition for it than the person on this side of the room and then me. And we want to look at those things over the week. But my history with church Um, my parents got saved in Rogue River, Oregon on the football field before it moved, um, in probably the, I don't know, it was the late 70s. I don't remember the time. I, in turn, around that time, was going to something called, do you know what this is? Good News Club. Yeah. These wonderful little old ladies were down in the Evans Valley Elementary School cafeteria, and after school, I went down there, and some of you have heard me tell some of this story, would sing the songs, 10 and 9, 8 and 7, 6 and 5 and 4, call upon, you know this one? Oh, great. Well, never mind then. Okay? <laughs> What's the point? <laughs> Stop and let me tell you what the, you know that one? Oh, golly, you guys are, get saved, okay, or something like that. Jeez. <laughs> so they would have these, uh, these signs and we would do the songs. And then, you guys know what a flannel board is? That fl- okay, good. That's some of us old-timers. Uh, they would tell the stories of Jesus or Jonah and the whale or whatever on the flannel board. And then they did the colors, The uh, you know, like uh, black is sin, you know this one, red blood of Jesus. So they did the colors. But then they went through all that stuff and they said, does anybody want to give their life to Jesus? And I don't know what I was doing, why I did it, but I do know that I had a grandma that had been praying for me for years and I just raised my hand. There wasn't even promise of, like, cookies or snacks or meat or nothing like that, all right? I raised my hand. I said, I want to do that. I think they led me in a sinner's prayer, and I went home. Now, around that time, my parents got saved. Willie Murphy, this evangelist, came to town uh, in Rogue River at the football field, and they went forward. And again, my grandma was a Christian. She'd been praying a long time. And from that point on, my relationship with the church began. Before that, I had no idea what the church was, didn't know really about Christianity, except what my grandma would sing, play for us. Like, if you know who, any old timers know who Evie is? Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> now, of course, I was a young man. I thought she was just some hot blonde that was singing Christian songs. So, but my grandma would put eight tracks. You guys know what an eight track is? <laughs> Whew, good, Okay. Put the 8-track in the big old giant boat that she had, and we'd drive down to like Seal Beach down in California and hang out. And it was awesome. My grandma had the Jesus room where all these Jesus pictures were in there. And so when all the, the you know, grandkids would sleep over, somebody got in the Jesus room. But it was scary because there was a lot of guilt, condemnation in the Jesus room. And you got like 10 pictures of Jesus staring down on you, all right? So, and th- there's a ton more. My relationship with the church began at Rogue River Assembly of God in Rogue River, Oregon. We had a great pastor cap, and uh, meant a lot to me. Did a lot in my life. Um, Eventually, they built a new building in Rogue River, and they'd get a youth pastor named Doug Marks. And wow, it changed my life to have somebody invest in me the way that he did, and transform my life. Of course, through the power of Jesus. When I say that, but the power of a mentor, youth man, is super, super, super powerful. If you are even considering today doing something to serve somewhere, youth and kids ministry is where you should go if you love kids enough and youth enough to survive that, all right? If you don't like kids and youth, then your answer is no. Go serve somewhere else. Be a, don't be a greeter either. Park something. Do community, whatever. But this is so important. It's why we brought on Grant it's why Brent stepped in there. It's why right now there's youth leaders in there with our young people teaching them, but it's not just about the teaching. The church, we know this, is about the people and the way God uses the people to invest in one another. This is a big part of the church that we can really forget sometimes. That what they do is so powerful. It is a part of God transforming a life. We know that at a young age, under 18, there's a lot of stats out there. I don't know what the accurate ones are anymore, but it is true that, man, someone who accepts Christ under the age of 18 is gonna do a lot more, have a lot more opportunity than someone that waits way longer into life. We need to reach them when they're young with the truth that we believe is the truth. But we need people to do that. They need to hear it but they need more to see it in the lives of people. So I'm just preaching now. This is some stuff that's just, I'm gonna throw up on you for about an hour, and then we're gonna go home, and then we'll pick it up in detail next week, all right? So we start going to church. Now, I gotta skip tons of stuff, but basically, my like, uh, work with the church, my life in the church was all over the board, um, and here I stand today. I've been let go from church, I've had my expectations, I had these high expectations at a church and then totally destroyed. I've succeeded in the church and left at times and felt like a failure. And what is, what's been one of the struggles, this is what we'll lead into, is, is some of the, the church stuff that just is church stuff, building, bureaucracy, committees, Stuff that Jesus doesn't even really address unless he's kind of going against it with the religious leaders. And so I would at times love the church. You know, the church is so important and sometimes just want to cry and be by myself uh, because the church hurt me. Um, and, and here we are as Journey trying to figure out what that looks like for us. Because here's what I think about my life, your life, and the church's life Who we were, we're about seven and a half years in, so to many, that's still the beginning. And uh, who we were is not who we are. But who we are is not who we're becoming. So if you think you like this right now, and you like this amount of people and that's it, then I would declare that somewhere down the road, this will not be a place for you. I hope that that's not true. I hope that you stay, but I would want you to know that who we were is not who we are, and who we are is not who we're becoming. And we're gonna talk about that a little bit as we go over the next five weeks. Now, here's for you and me who I was is not who I am, but who I am is not who I'm becoming. So it's, for you, it's important because you can get stuck right in the middle. Well, some of you, you're still stuck in the past. All I reflect on is who I was. And the enemy uses it to beat you up, destroy your life, hole you up in a room. It uses, the enemy uses that. That's why people don't come to church sometimes. Because what was, they can't see what is. But it's not even what is, it's what they could become. And somewhere they're stuck. And I've been there, I get it. But who I was is not who I am, and who I am is not who I'm becoming because of Jesus. This is important for the church as well, that we need to understand that. Because we are not a building. We are a people of God. Now, we're going to talk about that even more today, next week, and through some different things. Now, one of the things specific to the valley. So some of this is kind of giving you some thoughts and things to grab a hold of, and then let's see where God takes us over the next weeks. But uh, there's a group called the Barna Group. George Barna started it. You may be familiar with him, maybe not. Doesn't matter. But a couple years ago, they did, and they do a lot of studies. They've done it since I was um, in started in ministry, so they've been doing it 20, 30 years. They did some studies in the whole nation, and what they wanted to find out, I'm kind of paraphrasing the study. They And if you want a copy, I can get you a copy of it. But they, they took and they looked at three categories of people. They looked at churched people. This is people basically that say, I go to church on a regular basis. Maybe not every single week, but almost. I'm very active. Uh, maybe I'm involved a little bit in the church, maybe not. But I'm at least active on a Sunday. I go to church regularly. Then there is the unchurched, all right? The unchurched says, I don't go to church. I don't really have much experience with church. Many of them would even say, I don't even know what church is really all about. I don't follow God. I don't know about this church building, any type of church. They're unchurched is the category they did. But here's a new category that they, they studied. They studied and they said, there's also a category of people that we did for the study and their, their, their kind of title, their, their grouping is the dechurched. churched So what they said is, these are people that declare in this study, I, the, the most I've gone to church is maybe once in the past six months. Now, you can determine when you think they probably come, if they do at all. And basically what they said, you have people that are going to church, you have people that don't go to church at all because they don't know anything about it. Now you've got this category that says, we used to go to church, but we don't go anymore. Then they broke that down. I'm not going to worry about that with you right now. So, then you look at the whole nation. And number 10, not in Oregon, number 10, not in the Pacific Northwest, number 10, Of all the areas in the entire United States, number 10 of the most de-churched people in the nation, Medford-Klamath Falls area, de-churched, used to go, don't go anymore. And it's shocking because you can look around right now, I don't know if there's maybe a couple hundred people here, I know all my pastor friends, some of them have, you know, a thousand Hundreds, 50, they're just all over the place as far as amounts of people. Then you start thinking, there are thousands of people that go to church here in the Rogue Valley. But let me tell you, I'll come back to this at the end. Uh, Statistics are right now that there are over 219,000 people in Jackson County. Even if there are thousands of people going to church, on a regular basis, the bulk of people do not And then to hear that a large percentage probably of those people used to go, but don't go anymore, that's painful. I look at it, sometimes I want to take it personal. What have we done to hurt so many people about coming into a building? And I would go to myself if I thought about that, and if you have already, I just said one of the major problems right there, that we have turned church into a building. I get that. As I learn church growth things and read books, a lot of times we feel and we want to do a good job. We want to have a great place. God has blessed this place here for us. It's just the stories of the two places we've been are amazing. I just, it's miraculous. But we learn and if we embrace this idea that we need to be attractional for people to come to church, we're already going down the wrong path. Because then we go, we got to have the best band. We got to have better speakers. (laughs) We got to have a better building. That starts determining where we put our money, how we hire staff, what we do with ourselves. Now this does not take away the fact that there's something to that, that we want to do a good job. But man, if we embrace that and suddenly we find Many of us leaders do, even if we don't admit it. It can become, this is what hurts a lot of people too, all about money. You know, because of your giving, I have a job. If I'm not careful, this is true pastor talking, I don't care that you know. What if I embrace it so much that I only care about my job? Which means I gotta get more people here which means it doesn't really matter about God anymore. I just need to keep my job because what else am I gonna do? And what I do is, I remember declaring this about seven years ago at Journey. I get you to help me do what I love to do. So my goal becomes, if I could get a couple hundred people just to facilitate my job, (laughs) so that we can get more people to give more money, I'm set. And we begin down this path of the dechurched. churched I do. Now, there are so much more hurts, wounded, unacceptance, lack of belonging, mean things were said to you. Uh, go down the list. I wonder what it is for you that may, maybe has caused some hurt or pain in the past. And many of you are here, so this may not fit, Thank God that you are here, man. I love you guys. I love that you support us. I love what we're doing, but we gotta have a bigger vision, bigger plan, bigger ideas for God's kingdom, not Ron's kingdom or Brent's kingdom or anyone else's kingdom for that matter. But I wonder what what it is for you. And I wonder, do you have any neighbors, you know, any connections at work that if you talk to them and go, Do you go to church? What's their response? Do they know anything at all? Or are you even afraid to ask them? These are big questions that seem so easy, right? I wonder what some of your history is. Why do people come to church last? Why isn't there, if 500 people came last week, why isn't there 600 today? What are, I'd love to be able to talk to all the people and say, hey, how come you don't come back? Not because it's a guilt thing or a pressure, literally, just to know, like, hey, what's going on? What is God doing or not doing in you? Why did you come? So sometimes I get to talk to people about that, and other times it's just, hey, we'll see you next year. (laughs) And that's all right. But we want to do something about that. All right, so what I want to do is lay out for you a little bit of the foundations that we want to talk about over the coming weeks, give you some big ideas. I'm going to call you to something that I did on Easter. So a week later, I'm going to do it again um, and then wrap up and have us consider something and then be praying over the next weeks as we begin to dialogue even more about this and specific to journey. And at the end, I'll give you the beginnings of a little bit of thoughts and vision for the future for us, All right. The first thing that I wanna talk to you about just for a moment is that my foundation matters. Your foundation matters. So in your notes, you'll see that. We'll use these in small groups this week. They begin, and if you haven't signed up for one, this is part of our vision to, to, to have everybody part of some form of a small group. They, we have our own set up already. Some of you have other ones, and there's other ministries to be a part of. I know I mentioned once in a while Celebrate Recovery, Monday nights, um, and there's some other things with Celebrate Recovery during the week, and, and then other, other opportunities that you have to be part of some, for, some sort of small group. But the foundation that we have to have something that's built, because this is our theme, built to last, is that foundation matters. Now we know this, I don't have to go into it. This makes sense in, you know, spiritual, physical, emotional, all these things. Foundations that you have down in relationships and building a home and and the business and all this, foundations matter. What you place everything on makes a difference. Now, Brent brought this up last week or a couple weeks ago when he wrapped up the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 27. So you've heard this, but it's very important. It lays kind of the groundwork even for the rest of Matthew, but for us here at the church and for our lives personally. That's Matthew 7, 24 through 27. What does Jesus say in these verses? He tells us, anyone, now he's just done the Sermon on the Mount. He's at the end of that, and he kind of sums it all up like this. Anyone who listens to my teachings, so here's listens, and then what? Follows or obeys is wise. They're like a person who builds a house on, there's the foundation, solid rock. This is very important. Though the rain comes, and rain comes, and storms come, and winds blow, and life happens, because when you sign up with Jesus, that doesn't go away. Jesus declares, though the rain comes in torrents, and the flood waters rise, and winds beat against that house, you got that going on? Physically, emotionally, spiritually, some of you in here, and tons of people outside this building today, the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse, because it is built on what? Bedrock, solid rock, something firm and strong. So this matters. Your foundation matters. And that can go in many places. What is the foundation of your life on personally? And then we're gonna also, in addition to that, talk about over the weeks what our church is built upon, some big ideas. We're gonna keep working through that. It's gonna matter to us down the road this because At some point, if you didn't know this, this building will not be anymore, okay? Unless they want to put a church in a casino. (laughs) If you didn't know that, okay? This is owned, and they have been awesome to us. I've talked to the chief of the tribe. They've been fantastic to us. Blessings. I told them, God has used you for us. It's true. They own the whole thing, and we're still here. Maybe we'll just hole up, never leave, right? Say, so you, you gotta drag us out of here, man. I don't know. But this is gonna matter because what our foundation is built on will determine the decisions that we make in the future. The kind of place or not, what, what, it just goes deep. Foundations matter and for your life, right? Foundations matter because who you were when you didn't have a foundation, now that you do Who you are, if you've given your life to Christ, but you're becoming something, so base it on that foundation, because this stuff's gonna come. All right, but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand, washes away, disappears. When the rain floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash, Jesus says. Foundations matter. This matters what we build our life upon. When we have a strong foundation, these are a couple things that I want to think about with you. One, we're built to last in through the storms of life. The storms of life are going to happen. Storms of life are going to come alongside us. Storms of life in various ways, emotionally, physically, spiritually, are going to happen to us, regardless of our relationship with Christ. They're coming, are coming, and are happening to you right now, possibly, so we need this strong foundation. So one of the things you just sawed up there is one of the things that we really want to pursue here is to build something for endurance, not just appearance. Now, this is important for us in our personal life. Sometimes I can get too caught up in appearance, right? In church, if you've noticed, one of the, one of the things about church that people don't like is they say we're a bunch of hypocrites. Now, I just declare to you that I am one. It's possible that I'm the biggest one in here, all right? I try to try to be vulnerable and open, but there's still things you don't know about me. But if everything that we do when we come together is about appearance before one another, we're never gonna go anywhere. Now this happens and has created a lot of struggles in my life, I'm sure it has in yours. It's a problem for the church, right? It's a problem for Christianity as a whole, So one of the things that we want to do when we build our life or build the church or whatever we're building is we want to build for endurance, not just appearance. So this matters. Foundations matters. Uh, That will hold up when we have problems. Our our life, the church, uh, will hold up to even like personalities. So one of the struggles in the past for church and really uh, prevalent today is the church becomes about a personality, not the people of God. So when the personality leaves or something happens morally, a moral failure, then the, then the church we see was probably built more upon an individual, not the principles and guiding of Jesus. So we want to build a solid foundation on the right things so that it can hold up to the problems and personalities and, and so much more because it's more We are more than a building. We're about people. Other thing that we want to do when we build something to last and have that strong foundation, this is important for you as a family, whatever that looks like, and for uh, us as a church, we build something to last past our lifetime. So a lot of times what someone will say is, what's your 10-year plan, 20-year plan? And I don't know, I talked to you a while back, what's your 400-year plan? We think past our lifetime. To a generation that needs to know Jesus past me being around and you being around. So I think um, it was so awesome. One of the the beauties of of, uh, Easter was the photo booth. And a couple people made comment to this and I noticed it as well. Uh, When I looked through all the photos, I saw all of your pictures. I do like Corey's was the best with her sister. Uh, You see... In this congregation, and I know we're one of gazillion that have this, but I loved that you had Owens, their new little baby, all the way to, to old, 55, <laughs> to whatever real old is. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. Very diverse group. We want that. We want to be more intentional about that. So one of the things that we want to do is we want to make sure that we are building something that lasts past us. Otherwise, we're blowing it. So there are babies in there right now, and it's quite possible that one of them will lead Journey Church one day. There's a bunch of youth over there and someone or more could be missionaries in another country. There's men and women in here that could do amazing things for God in whatever occupation you do now. Because who you were is not who you are, and who you are is not who you're becoming. And So one of the things to really push and think through is what are we doing to build something that will last for a future generation? This matters. When Cap Marks hired Doug as our youth pastor in Rogue River, it changed my life because of what God did through him. We're still friends today. Once in a while, I'll talk to them. But it matters. And they, they built foundations in my life that carried us on to one day some shy kid who took an F In college, uh, in speech class, because he was too freaked out, that's me, uh, became a pastor. I don't know how. I don't sometimes even know why, but God's grace and mercy did that. Through all the, the joy and great things that come with it, and some of failure, and I am unworthy, and no good, and he is that solid rock, for there is no other like him. So this matters to me. So the, the other thing that Scripture tells us is to build something, um, through to, to, to go through the storms of life, to go past our lifetime, we then, the Bible will tell us, to, we need to build it on Jesus. Colossians 2. Colossians 2, 6 through 8, says these words, and now, Just as you accepted Christ Jesus as you must continue to follow him, let then your roots, roots is a picture of foundation as well, your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then, if you do that, your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. And even if you're a highlighter, underliner, lots of words in there, you know, follow, roots, built on, faith grows strong, but I love that one word, overflow with thankfulness. We build something on Jesus, and what a natural thing is we as we plant those roots down deep, as they shoot down and get nourished and strong, or have that solid bedrock, man, it says that we then will overflow with thankfulness. Now, there's beauty in those verses. That's a great picture of even the movement that is being created by God. Jesus, then, when he does all he does, and again, we're gonna come back to a lot of these things, Jesus starts a movement, then he mobilizes a team, and then he gives that team a mission, and then the kingdom multiplies. So here's what happens. When we surrender our life to Christ, Make a declaration like some people did last week to follow him, like many of you have done, like maybe somebody will do even though they're not ready today down the road. What happens when I do that? I join a movement when I experience all that Jesus has for me, when I do that for myself. So I join this movement that he's created when I experience Jesus for myself. So one of the things that I wanna do is walk you through just real quickly what it looks like to accept Christ, okay? I did it last week a little bit, so if you don't know this, you're going to hear it for the first time. If you do know this, you're going to hear it again, and if you want to make this declaration to Christ today, you can let us know on one of the cards, or you can come tell me, or through an email, or whatever, and say, hey, I gave my life to Christ today, so walk with me through this. Help me build a strong foundation. This is the beginning of it. This movement begins when you lay this foundation of experiencing Jesus for yourself. Now, here's what I'm going to do with you just real quickly. I'm going I'm to use the three points that are in our little kids' classrooms. So if you go, do you have any kids in the, the classrooms in here today, the front three classrooms? Look on the wall. You're going to see these three three things. Number one, God made me. This is foundational. So your babies through, I think, like five-year-olds or whatever, more, they're learning this. Three principles that they're learning over weeks, months, and years. One, God made you. Not a great principle? Keeping it simple so all of us folks can understand. God made you. God made you. They hear that, learn that. They have great mentors like some of you who should be in there. Tell them that all the time. If you want to sign up for that today, use one of the cards. I want to work in the kids ministry or the youth ministry because I want to tell kids that God made them. God made you. Now, the foundational part is you got to believe that for yourself. So you may be here today and your foundation is shaky in your life. Why? Because you don't think that God made you. Or you're questioning that. God could not have made something like me. Look at me. I'm a mess. Or look at what I'm going through. Or look at my life. And you forgot one of those foundational principles that we're teaching our little kids. God made you. The Bible tells us that he knows every little part about you. And that out of him making you, the second point is this. God loves you. Now just so simple and easy. I don't care if you're 1 or 100. You need to know that God made you. And we need to know and people need to know that God loves them. One of the things that's caused a problem in your life because it's a foundational thing that you've forgotten is that God loves you. But you keep looking at the past saying this is who I was. And you know what you declare? you allow the enemy to speak into your life, I understand this. It's not who I was. That's also who I am. I am. It's that moment of shame that says, no, I'm forgiven. No, you're not. So I don't know what it is for you today, but there is a ton of people that are de-churched out there and unchurched that need to know that God made them and that God loves them. And the last thing is this. Our little kids are learning, and we're going to hear it again today, is that Jesus wants to be your friend forever. Now, I know that's a simple way to say that. God made me. God loves me. Jesus wants to be my friend forever. But that's the three big principles that they learn every week. Can you imagine if a ton of parents out there brought all their kids into here And those kids went into those classes, and for 52 weeks of the year, in some form or some creative way, they heard teachers every week go, hey, God made you. God loves you. And Jesus, and here's what he did for you, and he wants to be your friend forever. Can you imagine if our youth got to hear that every week? Could you imagine... If some of these wonderful people out here, I don't care if you're 110, could you imagine and if your neighbor kids heard that, could you imagine if the people at work in some way heard that? Hey, I just want you to know that God made you. And then even out of that, what if they brought something up? I don't believe that. Let's talk about that. Hey, I want to tell you today that God loves you. Can you imagine if every week people heard that and didn't have to even come to a church building? And what's being missed if kids don't get to hear that at all? Could you imagine if we partnered with parents and so it's not only the church once a week telling the kids that, but it's parents who believe this for themselves and at home during a meal time or At bedtime, and even when the kid doesn't hear it, it's being prayed for. Could you imagine that if we partnered with those parents and helped them? Because I think some of you in here aren't very confident in sharing these things. Because you don't think you're good enough, smart enough, holy enough. Imagine if that was being reinforced at home every week. Hey, God made you. God loves you. And here's what Jesus did for you and he wants to be your friend forever. Wow. Could you imagine your jobs, the schools, all these things. And some of that's not what's said, it's also just what is led by example, lived out by example. Man, these are beautiful things that our kids are learning and applying. Now the Bible tells us God's word speaks, and uh, he declares that he wants us all throughout the Bible to know and experience him, to have a personal relationship with him. But there was a problem from the beginning called sin, and sin separated us from God. So very quickly, you may know this. Don't worry about writing it all down. give you some scripture later, or you could type something in like the Roman road and know it. But Romans 3.23, we declare these things. Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. We all do. All of us, all, okay. Romans six twenty three says then, for the wages of sin is death. Ah, horrible. Ah, but then it says in the next verse or the next little phrase, but the free gift, the free gift of the free gift of God. Doesn't matter how much tithe or offering you give, how many times you attend. The Bible says the free gift of God is eternal life through not my works but Jesus. Romans 5 says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us because someone had to pay a penalty for sin. Jesus did it while we were still sinners. So here's what's interesting to remind people. You don't have to get holy to become holy. Some of you think, and there's a ton of people out there that think, I ain't going to darken the doors. I've heard this so many times right before Easter. If I go there, the whole roof's going to cave in. I go, well, that is not gonna happen because just look around. It's not caved in and we're here. I'm standing up here. Until you see that happen, you're good, all right? Come, be a part. God did this, showed his grace and love, and while we were still sinners, John 14 says this, Jesus declares, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So he declares It is something we have to embrace as Christians. This is what we believe. Everyone does not believe this, but we declare that Jesus is the only way. There are no other options to the relationship that God wants to the covering of sin that he has done for us, right? John chapter one, he then gives some answers, but to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right The right to become children of God. And then these two last ones, this is where I wanna ask you today. Man, what's your relationship with Jesus like? Have you experienced Him for yourself? This is the foundation that we are building the church on. Have you done it for yourself? Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the resurrection that we celebrated last week, we have to embrace this. It is, it is the link. It is the thing about Christianity. Believe in your heart that Christ, God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. God made you, loves you, and he wants to be your friend forever. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, openly declaring your faith that you are saved. And then Romans 3.20. This is an all call for the entire earth. Revelation says, 3.20. Look, I stand at the door and knock, and if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as what? God made you. God loves you. Jesus wants to be your friend forever. At Evans Valley Elementary School, down in the cafeteria about 100 years ago, some ladies sang some songs, did a flannel board, showed me some colors and explained the gospel to me right there. They told me, I think they told me just by showing up at Elvins Valley Elementary School, sacrificing and serving that way. Hey, Ron, reinforced by my grandma behind the scenes praying like a maniac all the time. Hey, Ron, shown to me by her, by others, and by these wonderful ladies. Hey, Ron, God made you. God loves you. And he wants to be your friend forever. Do you want that? Yes. Now, it has been a roller coaster since then. Because sometimes I believe it and sometimes I don't. But he is my foundation either way. And that's available to everyone. We believe these things here. And uh, I wonder if you've experienced Jesus for yourself. If you haven't and you're ready to take that next step, do it. He's knocking on the door. Hear his voice. Open the door and just let him in. That's the beginning, not the beginning and end. It's the beginning of something transformational. So what Jesus does then is he mobilizes us to go on mission and multiply his kingdom. Now I'm going to skip to the end for the sake of time. Because um, we're going to come back to all this stuff. But what he does is he, uh, he builds this team. He gives us identity. We become a community. And uh, he then begins to send them out on mission. Now, the mission Jesus gives, probably the biggest one where we grab a hold of is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And the worship team can come. I want to wrap up uh, with this and a couple more things. Then we'll take communion together. Remember what we just proclaimed is available to you and what Christ has done for us through, through communion. But Jesus gives this mission. He says, he came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go, make, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go make disciples, baptize them. We're gonna do that at the end of May. Um, and then teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. Take that foundation That they've gotten because it matters. And then remember that I'm with you always, he says, and go on mission for him. Why do we say all this? Because this is the mission of the church. Not, this is important to us for the future, to build a bigger and better building. Not to give more pastors or people jobs. It's not to have a greater youth ministry that looks good and is attractional. It's not to have bigger and better bands. These are all things that maybe will come in some form with, you know, growth. But that is not our mission. Our mission is to go and make disciples. And then that multiplies. Because once you make disciples, then they make disciples, it turns from two rabbits into 2,000 rabbits in like a week. Does that make sense? When, when we have that, we have this momentum that happens. So here's what I imagine. I want to wrap up with this. But it's really going to come back to, have you experienced Jesus for yourself? What if, and we'll talk about this over the coming weeks, what if we become a people and a place, all right, of love, hope, and I love this word, belonging, where we can then engage those far from God so that they can know God. What if we became a people in a place like that? And where it starts is with our foundation of Jesus. What if everybody, everybody that calls Journey home, and we believe this for Christianity, period, but what if every person was in some form of a small group where we could then, encourage one another so that they can know God deeper, find freedom, and get to know one another as well. Because some of you in here and people in here sit here. I'll put money that even in here today, you still sit here and go, I don't know anybody. I'm disconnected. I don't know if I'm going to come back. What if we provide a place and people that wouldn't let that happen But you got to have the foundation of Jesus and see the bigger picture, right? And then they became part of a small group where that can really happen. Because it can't happen on Sundays properly. We understand that. So what if everyone was in a small group? What if then, based upon his mission, we can equip followers to mature in their faith by knowing themselves, the bulk of my life I have not known myself, Then I don't know my makeup, my personality, and I don't know where it's the best fit for me to get involved. So what if we could equip people to mature, but also to know themselves in such a way that they discover their gifts? And then out of that, what if we then are able to send people out to expand God's kingdom, not our own, by knowing their neighbor locally and globally? See, when you have a foundation... Like we're talking about, there's something that compels you and propels you forward because of what Jesus has done for you. Remember Colossians, it overflows into what he wants to do for others. What if we all truly believe this and then we don't have to worry about forcing this upon people. It's just a natural part of who we are and who we are becoming. And so, I think that every generation in the Rogue Valley should have an opportunity to experience Jesus for themselves, just like you do today. Stand with me, will Have you experienced Jesus for yourself? This is the foundation for us moving forward. There are 219,200 219, people in Jackson County. Every single one of them Every generation had an opportunity to experience Jesus for themselves. So have you. Now, this morning, if you want someone to pray with you about that, there's some folks against the back wall. I'm willing to do it right here. Communion is going to happen. I'm going to come back and say a prayer for us to go. They're going to sing while you're getting communion. So remember what Jesus has done for you on the cross for your sin so you could have life. And then in that, would you also say, thank you, Jesus. And then maybe say a little prayer. And I want others to know that God made them, loves them, and wants to be their friend forever. Would you say a little prayer for someone you know, your neighbor? If you don't follow Jesus, again, we're glad you're here, but maybe you just consider, take a little move towards him some way. All right? Sing, communion, and then I'll come back and pray for you. And Father, today, thank you for what you have done for us, Jesus, the foundation that you've given us in you, and then may that propel us forward to share that with others. So thank you for your blood represented in the juice and your body represented in the cracker you gave yourself for our sins. Thank you. So we take that today and sing and declare that we love you and are grateful for you and may that overflow and into those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.